And now it's time for Dave's Disney View Podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all. But he understands its place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. So come along and take a listen to Dave's thoughts about the Walt Disney World Resorts and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, every once in a while I like to uh, kind of branch out and talk about different things and bring on a guest to have a little fun talking about Disney and in particular Disney World. And today is no exception. I have a guest whose name is Andrea. You might know her as Ani. And um, she had the unique experience of going through the Moms Panel interview process uh, earlier this year. She didn't make it, unfortunately, but uh, she did go through the process, and I wanted to chat with her about Disney and her passion and why she might have uh, gone on with the, uh, the interview process. So, Ani, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dave. Hello, everyone. So, let's, let's start off with the obvious. <clears throat> You're obviously passionate about Disney. You've been a Disney fan for quite some time. I was talking to you for a couple of minutes. You've been a, pretty much a fan your whole life. So, why don't you give us the history on how you kind of became the Disney fan? Yes, I have. I've grown up Disney. It really all started back with my uncle. He was the vacation planner for the family. He discovered Disney just through AAA back before there was any social media, just reading about it. When Disney opened, we actually happened to be taking a family vacation to the Miami area, and he just decided, hey, let's stop back by this new place that opened called Disney World, and let's see what it's all about. And we spent a day there. I probably was maybe three, four years old. We, and I don't remember too much of it then. I just remember it being hot, crowded, and it was kind of fun, but I was a little scared with some of the, some of the scarier rides, like Snow White Scary Adventures. And then we decided to return again for about three days a year later. And back then it was just the Magic Kingdom, so it was still really hard to kind of enjoy the whole entire Magic Kingdom experience and Disney World experience. But we actually, uh, like in 1980 for my birthday, we decided to return and we spent five full days in, at the Walt Disney World Resort. We stayed at the Contemporary back then, so it was real easy. Everything we wanted to do was right there on the monorail loop. And um, since then, I've been hooked. I've pretty much grown up Disney all my life. Every year, there, you know, as, as new parks have opened, we always have little family competitions. Who's going to be the first one into this park and the first one to ride this ride? And we really do have a little family rivalry going on. Like, who's been the youngest family member to go to Disney? Who's been the person that's visited the most times? Uh, just little things like that. So I've pretty much grown up Disney. And it has actually trickled down through the generations. My cousin is usually the one who is always taking her nieces and nephews along to Disney and invites me, my mom, my daughter to tag along whenever possible. Um, usually to chaperone a few of the extra rugrats in the family. So it has actually been a very fun experience, and it's very fulfilling. So it, it does give us the option to enjoy that magic just about almost just about every year. So it's been, it's been fun. That, that's totally cool. And for those of you not in the know, 1980, of course, was still when there was just the Magic Kingdom. Epcot hadn't been built yet. It was still uh, just the one park, and you had the uh, contemporary, the Polynesian. There was no Grand Floridian. You still had River Country and a few other uh, amenities that you could explore. Um, and I remember staying at the Contemporary in about the same time frame, and it was just it was just an amazing hotel. It was so much fun. Um, I'd it never was, experienced it was. anything in like fact, it. 
I don't think that I actually saw the fireworks in the Magic Kingdom until I was about 14 because we always had we always had a room with a parkside view or at that time they still had the top of the world supper club night dinner show. The dinner and show, we, right. My uncle was smart enough to always get our room reservations. He would always get our dinner reservations with a view. He didn't know exactly what table to request where we could literally just look up from our dinner table and actually see the fireworks. So I think I actually didn't see fireworks in the Magic Kingdom as well as maybe about 14 or 15 years old and realized, <laughs> oh, we can actually go in the park and watch these. Oh! So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. what they looked like from in there. Yeah, but you still had a good view and you could hear the music, so really there was, I mean, you really had the best view. You didn't have to worry about sitting on somebody's shoulders to see the fireworks. So it really did work out, though, back then in those days. Oh, yeah, it was a, it was a different experience, uh, you know. It was, it was. Growing up Disney back then was completely and totally different. No fast pass, mm-hmm. so you had to stay in the park all day. Mm-hmm. And wait in line forever to ride something. So it, it was much, much different. But it was still very enjoyable back then. So, yeah, a five-day trip was well worth it. So you could have time to experience everything since you were staying in line. It is. Yeah, there'd be some days we'd get up kind of early. Some days we'd stay in the parks late. My mom actually is the one who actually discovered the Main Street Electric Light Parade. We would always want to go back to our hotel and swim until midnight. My mom was like, I'm going back in the park. And then there was one night she's like, we're all going back and we're going to watch this really cool parade. So she actually discovered that parade i believe it was back in um 83 was on an auto family vacation trip she actually discovered that and so we've been hooked on that ever since so Very there, cool. there's always disney always has something to to kind of get you that that is a must-do thing and so when they brought back the electric light parade a few years ago i was all excited <laughs> that's cool to see it return yes it is cool to see it return i mean you know it's one of those neat things uh that when, they, when they were brought it back like that it's, it's amazing how, you know, you have these memories of, of Disney being a certain way, and yet we still grow with it, and we change, and we kind of evolve our viewpoint, too. Um, we do, we do. Anytime that something new comes up, I'm like, how's this going to work out? You know, when I heard about the Magic Bands, I'm like, I don't know about that. But they're really cool. So, I mean, yeah. so I have actually enjoyed have actually enjoyed um, getting to know and the inner workings and, and of how the Magic Band process works. I'm thinking after a while, I'm thinking, how in the world do we ever live without these? Like, same thing with Fast Passes. Mm-hmm. How in the world did I ever get through the park without a fast pass? Yeah. You know, so there are things that Disney comes up with. You're like, hey, just yeah, you don't know about how that's going to go on, but they, no. they know what they're doing. No, and it's funny because I had a friend of mine was asking me about visiting Disney. It would be his first trip with his with his kids, and he was going to go up. And he's like, "So I'm really I'm really wondering about this Fast Pass Plus, and I want to make sure I get my reservations and get my ride time so that it all works out." He goes, "But I'm over planning. I want to just go and enjoy myself." And we were kind of having a laugh about that. And I was telling him, you know, back in the day, I used to just go up there and I didn't worry about it. I just hop in line, and there was no theming to the lines. You just wait in line for an hour, and that's, it was. And it's what it was, and it was okay. You know it. I guess, you know, the, the world has changed a lot, and we need more stimulation and need more um, interaction. I remember looking back at some of my, um, I still have some of my uncle's early um, itineraries, and it would just be like day one would be Adventureland and Frontierland. That would be all it would say. He, you know, he would have our breakfast. We'd still have character breakfast, and he'd have, like, our dinner, whether it would be hoop doo or back then it was Polynesian Luau, um, or Top of the World. But it was just basically okay, day one, Adventureland. Frontierland. Nothing else, because you just kind of have to go with the flow. If there was no line, you jumped in, you rode, you enjoyed. If it was a short line you wanted to ride again, you got back in line and went over and over and over again. So you, you really did play it by ear. So that's pretty funny. Yeah, but it's it's cool the way that you know that's kind of worked out. And now you can do this this other planning, and you know the whole Magic Band experience is a whole other you thing. Can't you can't? I I, I have found I still. I still find myself trying to be flexible like my uncle would do that. You know, okay, like this is the day I'm going to be at the Magic Kingdom. What do I really want to see? You know, how many days am I going to have? Okay, I've got two days in the Magic Kingdom, so I'm going to do 
maybe, you know, Fantasyland, Tomorrowland, Main Street. So I will, like, make fast passes, you know, with the Magic Band experience and then just kind of see where the line goes. And that's the one thing with Magic Band. It's flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, if you realize that, hey, there's, like, a 20-minute wait for Space Mountain and you don't need to use your fast pass, you can get one for something else that maybe has a longer line. Right. So so it allows you that flexibility. Or pick without up. Without having to walk all the way over and see right. how long the line is. You can just look on your phone now. Oh, there's a five-minute wait. Let's, you know, by the time you get over there, it could be 20. So, But still, you know, it kind of works out in a way. I. I had the experience a couple of, well, I guess it was about a month ago I was up there, and I, I planned my vacation the day before, and I picked some fast passes, and I was changing them on the fly as I was going, and I added some new ones after I'd been through the three that I, that I was offered, and it was really it worked out really well. It and is. It, it is. Some people think it's too rigid, but no, it, it, does allow for, it, it does allow for a lot of flexibility. Then on the other hand, you get there and you realize, okay, I have a fast pass for Seven Doors Mine Train, and there's a two-and-a-half-hour wait. Geez, I sure am glad I only have a five-minute wait now thanks to Fast Plus. <laughs> exactly. So it, it does. It allows for the possibilities are endless. It is real, it's a really neat experience now. It really is. I, you know, I'm, I'm amazed at because when I first saw it, I was like, eh, not really sold on this idea. But now it's kind of growing on me. It's, it's pretty ma- amazing what they've been able to do with it. It is. And my favorite part is with the photo pass, um, with the memory maker, because I am the family historian. Like I said, we grew up Disney. My uncle, not only was he the Disney planner, but he always was the family movie homemaker. He was always one with the Super 8 camera, catching everything on movie before videotape came out. So for me, it makes it easier for me to be the family historian. If I know that everybody who I'm with, their memory maker, they're all on the same reservations, they link up. I don't have to worry about later if I'm in charge of putting together the family photo album of missing a picture. I just remind everybody, make sure you scan your band. So it just makes it so much easier because then all the pictures, they're all there for us. Yeah. That's perfect, exactly. And, you know, that's one of those things that they really offer that I think really does make a difference. It um, does, it does. Disney was thinking of me when they invented that. <laughs> you know, I, I think there's, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of research that goes into everything they do, and they don't make decisions in a vacuum, and sometimes they're willing to back away from them if they don't work the way they want them to. But uh, they always seem to be thinking about their guest experience and what, what works for them. Um, they are, they are. They, they really do. They I think everything is kind of backwards. It's like, okay, this is what we want, but how are our guests going to enjoy it? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes the Imagineers and everyone involved steps back and, and would say, all right, as a guest, what would I want to see? How, how would I want to experience this? And then they sort of go from there because they, they have, I mean, the smallest detail is taken care of. You don't realize it until I've been on some attractions where I haven't actually seen the movie or seen the show. And then I'll go on. I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. But I'll go home and watch the movie. I'm like, oh, wow, that was really good. You know? <laughs> so they, they do. I mean, you can really get, if people have asked me, like when I help people, like coworkers, like, do I really have to go watch all these movies before I go? I'm like, no, you can go. I'm like, there's enough backstory in every attraction that you can kind of get the gist of it. And if you don't get it, you can always ask some five-year-old in line in front of you or behind you, and they'll be glad to tell you the whole story. <laughs> or the geeks like me who just happen yes. to be listening. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Awesome. Just join one of my Facebook groups. We'll, we'll help you out. We'll make sure you know everything. <laughs> there you go. That's exactly it. So along the way, you know, you, you've been going for a long time. You decided at some point that you wanted to be a mom's panelist. So how did, yes. that, how did that go for you? What, what uh, kind of well, led you down that path? I first discovered it. I actually was watching the Disney Christmas Parade um, the first year that they actually had the mom's panel. When they picked the inaugural panel. They had these people, and my mom was sitting there, and she goes, how come you didn't hear about it? I go, I don't know. That got by me. <laughs> but that particular year, I, I really hadn't gone to Disney that year, so I didn't have a qualifying trip. So I made it my point to actually kind of learn everything about the panel, like how do you get in, what do you do? So the following year, um, my daughter and I, we had taken a trip 
and it was eight days. I'm like, we really want to do this. I want to see everything. Because it had been a few years since we had been. It had been about five or six years since the last time we had been. And I thought, okay, this will be cool. I know a lot about Disney. I'll apply. I'll get on. I was actually, you know, making plans for being on the panel, and I didn't get past round one my first year. Actually, I didn't get past round one my first four years on the wow. panel. But I still kept I still kept trying because unlike some things where, you know, you get to be a certain age, okay, you're done, you can't enter, oh, you know, three strikes, you're out. But one thing about Disney is they make it available that you can continue to apply each and every year. So last year, I decided, okay, I'm really going to go all in this year. You know, I'm going to change things. I'm really going to look at my answers. And it happened. I actually made it to round two. I was so excited. Although I was at work and wasn't supposed to be checking my work email, so I couldn't do my happy dance until actually I left to work. And so I was like, so I'm like, yeah, I made round two. My daughter's like, what does round two consist of? I'm like, I don't know, but I made it to round two. So then, of course, round two is another set of questions and a video that you have to submit. So my daughter helped me shoot my video in the living room. It probably took a couple of hours. To, you know, Steven Spielberg director that she is, take after take after take. Finally, we got it right. I got it in, and I'm just holding my breath. I'm like, oh, it'd be so cool to, like, make it to round three. Because in the years past, there's like three rounds, and then you're in. So I um, found out that I made it to round three, so I was all excited. And I you know, got an email, I'm going to have a phone interview, and I was going to get to chat with Gary, who's in charge of the social media manager in charge of the mom's panel. I thought, oh, this is going to be great. So I you know, had my 15-minute phone interview with Gary. He's very, very animated. If you haven't seen Gary, he's on, the, he's on the Disney's Magic Express, and that's really how he is all the time. So the 15 minutes just flew right by. It was wonderful. It was great. So I'm thinking, okay, this is it. I've done my homework. I'm ready to go. I'm actually going to make the panel this year. And then, of course, I get that the, the we're unfortunately sorry that you didn't make the panel email. And he's like, on another note, you know, we'll offer you a fast pass. You know, we'll allow you to skip round one for next year if you qualify. So I'm like, okay, so it doesn't hurt quite as bad. You know, it'd be nice to get on the panel. And um, sure. so, of course, I used my fast pass this year to qualify. So I just went through the whole process again. Now that you, of course, what I call the round of approximately 10,000, of course, about 10,000 people apply every year. So I got sure. to skip that round. And as soon as I submitted my application, I got my congratulatory email, my screen product. Yeah, you've gone to round two. And then the waiting began. I had to wait another five and a half to six weeks to see who else would be joining me in round two. So of course, when the whole process starts again, more questions, another video submitted. And then it was probably two and a half, three weeks to find out who made it to round three. So I made it to round three again, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is good. And then some of my friends, though, who made it to round three with me last year did not make it to round three. They kind of got cut in round two. And it's really always hard because when you develop a group of friends that you, an online presence, people that you have become close to, that you talk Disney all the time. Yes. It's difficult when some of you advance and some of you don't. You're excited because you're ready to move on, but then you still kind of hurt for them. And for me, it was one of those things where I remember how I felt when all of my Disney friends went on to round two, round three, and some of them even made the panel in here. I didn't even get past round one. So I know how that can sting a little bit. So this year going into my interview, uh, we were advised that there was going to be a fourth round. So we're like, what in the world is round four going to be? There's really not a lot, a lot of time for cuts. And so, of course, you know, going through my interview, you know, we get the you know, as I'm chatting with Gary, he's like, well, congratulations on round three and round four. And I'm like, what? And he's like, oh, I'll get to that in a little bit. It was kind of like an instant thing. You know, of course, we had a little 15-minute conversation, and the review committee actually listens in. They don't really ask questions, but they're instant messaging him questions. And so he's actually taking their questions and asking them to me. And probably with about a minute left in the interview, he tells me that he sent me an email to my address and to check it. And he's like, this is a question we want you to answer. You have 45 minutes. Do all of your research. Use whatever tools you have. 
wow. you know, respond to this question as if you were a panelist. You have 45 minutes. Go. Good luck. And so I'm like, talk about the pressure being on because there were times that I would review my que- I'd look at the questions, you know, in the previous rounds, I'd think about them. I'd make little notes at work, you know. I think about, you know, how my answer was going to be. Then I'd come home and draft it and write and rewrite. You know, you go through the whole writing process. I've got 45 minutes to put together a coherent answer. Oh, my goodness. So, of course, I get it in, and then we have the waiting. And then it seemed like there was a lot of people who had interviews. So the interviews went on for almost about a week, um, probably. So, the, you know, the day comes. We're told that we're going to, you know, get 3 o'clock. He says, Saturday at 3 o'clock, he's going to announce the panel. It's 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock comes and goes. And he tells us it's going to be five and six, and we're just waiting. We're all just kind of like hanging on. Of course, I got the. Unfortunately, it's a no this year, but you know, you you know, you're more than welcome to apply again. And of course, I got my fast pass for next year, so I get to skip the round of ten thousand next year. Okay. So even though it does hurt a little bit, and I actually did have a very close friend who actually made the panel, there still were a few of us who didn't make it. So we're all determined this year that we're all going to study. We're going to kind of work out, do our Disney workouts all year long, and we're going to be ready come August or September when it comes time to apply next year. And I've had people at work tell me, you know, you know, it's kind of like one of those things, like, why do you keep applying every year? You know, they only take so few. Out of approximately 10,000, there's only about 21, 22 members who they took on the panel this year. And, of course, it's an honor to do that, but it's just the fact that um, I still get to do what I do now. I mean, I help coworkers, friends, people on Facebook, even my family members, I help get to help people plan their Disney vacations, give them the best possible guest experience. And it's, I'm doing the same thing. It's just, of course, I'd have the title behind me, but being on the mom's panel would just allow me to do that and reach a greater number of people. Instead of reaching the hundred or so people that I know of and their friends, right. I'd have access to hundreds of thousands and millions of guests who are going to be coming to Disney who need planning advice. So it's just one of those things where if you do what you love, Obviously, it's really not work, but it's just, you know, if I have Disney knowledge, my mom says I'm a, I'm a wealthless pit of useless knowledge. <laughs> Disney is just one of those things that consumes my brain. So I'm literally like a walking almanac of, of Disney information, especially Disney parks, Dis- anything Disney vacation related. I mean, I'll even just talk to people in the, in the line at the grocery store. The line is long, and we start chit-chatting. Oh, that's a cute Disney jacket you got on. And ah, like, nice. My head is like, uh-oh, she said the magic word, you know. <laughs> so it's just, it's just one of those things where, you know, it's one of those things that's it's always been a hobby of mine. I, I think it's one of those things that I've just kind of inherited from my uncle. You know, he's always been looking at what's new, and this is before the age of social media, looking at what's new. Um, with Disney, he would always buy Birnbaum's official guide. In fact, I have have a copy of Birnbaum's official guide every year from when it first came out, like in 1981 or 82, oh, cool. to now. That's... I have one every year. So that was kind of like his Disney Bible. And since it's the official guide, that's the first thing I go to when I don't necessarily have access to Internet. Okay, it's like, it's this book, you know. So it's just one of those things where it's always kind of been with me, vacation planning. Some people like to go to the beach. I'm like, okay, you've seen the waves. You've seen the sand. <laughs> where's the fireworks where's the parades where's the dole whips okay the beach is boring let's go do something more exciting i can't i can't go on a relaxing vacation if i'm not up to go and ride rides and see shows and you know eat turkey legs it's really not a vacation for me sorry sorry to say you know i understand though i mean you know you got to meet anna and elsa and you know go do the see say hi to mickey and do all the fun stuff it is, it is. And, I, and this this last trip being on my birthday, I mean, I got to see the Frozen Princesses. I got to go attend their royal coronation oh, parade nice. party on my birthday. Nice. It was kind of nice. I would have hoped, being the birthday girl, that I would have got to skip the two-hour line to see them, but that, that didn't happen. So, you know, we got to, 
you know, bestow my good wishes on them from afar. But, yeah, it was actually frozen summer. It was really nice. I just wish the temperature would go along with what they had actually planned. Um, but it but it actually did not. So I understand. Yeah, that's, that's the one problem with the whole uh, summer program that they did. It was a really nice idea, but it was so hot it kind of took away from it just a little bit. Yeah, it sounds like it was a really cool experience. So can you give us a sense of what the 45-minute question was like? You don't have to tell us what the question was, but just kind of a... Basically, it's, it was actually a real question that I didn't realize until way after the fact. Um, I was looking at it, and I'm like, oh, that's, you know, uh, Gary is a, is a big uh, proponent on using the proper grammar, and I learned a new word last year, nomenclature. He's real big on that. So for him, um, I was like, wow, this is this, the way this question is kind of phrased. It's not really phrased um, like like he would phrase a question with proper grammar. And so I said, I wonder if this is a real question. So I actually just kind of did some research on the mom's panel. And yeah, it was an actual real question. So I actually, after I submitted my answer, um, went back and looked at the answer a couple, the actual answer a couple of days ago. I was pretty close, pretty close to kind of what the panelists actually requested. Oh, very cool. So it was it was pretty it was pretty neat. It was definitely an interesting experience. I, I have no doubt about that. Um, yeah, it is. It is a little. It is a little. It's almost like Jeopardy. You know how you're standing there and, and you got Alex Trebek and you're making your wager and you've got like thirty seconds to write your answer down and spell it right. It's kind of like no pressure. You know, this is only just like one thing in your life. You know, I almost felt like my daughter when she was uh, at Miss America trying to answer that quick question on stage. You get that on stage question and you only got like a second to think and then you have to like formulate it correctly. My goal is if I ever win um, a big lottery is to uh, build a house in Golden Oak and just be able just to go to Disney any anytime I want, every day. Sure. Um, not, I, I never, I don't know, my house wouldn't even have a kitchen because I'm just like, okay, we're just going to Epcot. What country do we want to eat at today? <laughs> we're not cooking. <laughs> I'd probably go through those lottery winnings pretty quick. I'd probably actually use them all just, just building the house alone. But. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's the thing. I mean, you know, it's an amazing thing. I lived, I lived in Orlando for a number of years and... Um, used to go to the parks regularly, and one of the things I tried to do was eat at every restaurant on Disney property. And, you know, you have to kind of spread them out a little bit because you have to eat affordably in some ways. You can't yes. just go every night for dinner. It just doesn't work. But uh, I mean, gone are the days. I, I just realized this just on my most recent trip. Gone are the days when everything is just hot dogs, pizza, hamburgers, french fries, pop. There's actual real food in Disney now. Yeah, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah, I'm like... When did this happen? You know, I mean, it's, I think it's something that just, I mean, I really didn't notice it. Um, I also partially noticed it because my daughter being older, you know, has become a more healthy eater. And me, hey, I'll eat anything that's hot and one that smells or tastes good. But for her, um, she's washed her weight a little bit more. She's like, oh, do we really just want to eat this kind of food? Don't we want to eat someplace nice? So I actually started to observe, oh, well, there's actually some nice restaurants in Disney. Not everything is French fries and, and hot dogs, but those are pretty good now. But wait a minute, that changes the whole plan of, the, of what we're going to do because we're going to eat at a restaurant. That means we have half an hour less to go to um, <laughs> Splash well, Mountain. The cool thing is, though, is, you know, hey, if, as, long as, you have, as long as you have a dining reservation, I mean, anytime you look, it's, you're going to have to slow down and rest at some point. And that's one of the things my daughter and I would do, to be honest with you, is um, sometimes, depending on where we would eat, you know, whether it would be a quick service restaurant or a snack or something like that, a lot of times people are like, man, you're on the go from the time the parks open until they close. You get there, like, even an hour earlier. You stay, it's like, when do you ever sleep? And people don't realize that there is a plenty of time to rest. I'm, I'm a person who likes to get a good spot for a parade. So I'm one of those people that I have pretty much done everything I want to do by 6 o'clock in the Magic Kingdom. 
So from 6 o'clock on, I've got my spot for the parade and for the fireworks, and that's pretty much about it for the rest <laughs> of the night for me. You know, I'm just, like, sitting and relaxing for the next two hours. And people are like, don't you get tired? Um, yeah, I rest plenty, but I'm not one of those people who will run back to their hotel in the middle of the day and take a nap. No, it's not for me. <laughs> Yes, some people really enjoy doing that. I, I don't do it they either. Do. I, I, I'm not one of them yet. Yeah, no, I I don't do it either. I had I had one trip where I um I drove up from South Florida and I hit all four parks in the same day. And I got to tell you, by the middle of the day, I was dragging. I'm like, I'm going to the hotel for just a little while. I'm gonna take a one hour nap, and I'm, and it worked out great. But it's the only time I've ever done that. It's <laughs> now I, I will tell you this: I have almost fallen asleep on the bus back to my resort. I have done that. Until they turn those bright lights on when you're about a minute away from pulling up. And it's like, oh, I'm up now. I think I'm awake now. Okay. Yeah. And, they, and there's no warning either. They just, you know, it's just bright light, bright light. They just flick them on. Yeah, exactly. So they try to get you going. Hey, get off the bus. Come on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting way that we, uh, that we do things because we think about Disney in a, in a way. And we all kind of have our, our own way of approaching it, right? So some people do take that nap and some people um, take a half day. I know people who will go for... Uh, the morning and then just uh, head back to the hotel and spend the afternoon in the pool and won't go back in the parks. And I know people who do it the other way and just go in the evenings uh, because yeah, there's no kids there. Not. And my mom, as, she's, as she gets older, is one of those people who, when she travels with us, depending on which group she's traveling with, sometimes the younger kids aren't really up and awake yet, so they want to come into the park later. So a lot of times my mom will come in with some of those adults later where if I've already been in the park for four hours and I've ridden every ride and seen every show that I want to see that had like a really long line or this really popular that I'd have a fast pass for. So now I'm just waiting for the three o'clock parade and fireworks that night. So whatever you want to do for the rest of the day, mom, is, is up to you. Um, <laughs> but I'm one of those, but we, you know, we've always been an on the go type family, you know, with um, sports activities, things like that. So we're really not the kind of people in our house that really grass really doesn't grow under our feet. We we're pretty much on the go. So our vacations wouldn't be any other way, but you know, I have been, there have been times that we've gone to Disney and we have just kind of sat around and lounged around. You have the extra day. We just sit around and enjoy ourselves. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those, those are fun days too. It's a different experience and you, you, everybody should experience Disney the way they're comfortable with and, you know, go they, and should, just enjoy should. themselves. Yeah. And, and that's the main thing is a lot of times when we are getting ready to go on a big family vacation, um, me being one of the chief planners, my cousin usually picks the days. Like this, these are the days they're going to work with kids' school schedules, with everyone's work schedule. So usually for me, what I always tend to do is then I tend to look at, okay, which are the extra magic hour morning parks? Which are the evening parks? What do we want to do? And then I kind of give everyone in the family, I give everybody a questionnaire. <laughs> they feel like they're filling out a census for me. <laughs> and what I ask them is, okay, so I ask every kid to, to tell me, what are two things that you absolutely have to ride in each park? Two. That you that you are going to just have a flat-out meltdown that if you don't get to ride them or see them, it's going to be the end of the world for you. And then I ask them, what are two rides that you would like to ride if there's time? And with the number of people we travel with, that's usually pretty much a good, good enough to give me a gauge of what everybody wants to do, what everybody wants to see. So at least I make sure that we're hitting the things that everybody has to ride and everybody has to do so no one feels left out. A lot of times, for a lot of us, they are the same things, and sometimes there's things that are different. So it, it really allows for the schedule. I'm like, okay, we have to see these seven or eight rides or attractions, and that's it. You know, if we don't get anything else in, you know, if rain comes in, something else happens, then nobody's heartbroken. And then we kind of go from there. Uh, a lot of times, like, it's, if I'm just traveling with my daughter, I'll ask her, okay, so rank all these rides in order of importance for you, if I know if it's going to be her and I. 
like you pick what you really, really, really want to ride, rank it on a scale from one to four, and then we kind of go from there, like, okay, like, we have to do Space Mountain. There was a time when she could care less about Space Mountain. She's like, roller coasters are not for me, but now she's okay with them. And from there, we just kind of plan our schedule. Then we come across something, okay, this is a number two on our list, or number three. It's not that it's imperative, but there is a five-minute wait. We're going on it right now. So it, it kind of gives me an idea of what people, what our family like to do. And I always do that with my, with my friends and coworkers, too, especially if I have somebody who's never been to Disney before. I will tell them, first thing I want you to do, go online, DisneyParks.com, order your DVD, sit down with your kids when there's nothing on TV, and watch it. Tell me if you know if you've never been. What are some, what are your kids' favorite Disney characters? What are their favorite movies? And you know, do they like to ride rides? Do they not ride? Parents, do you ride or do you not ride? I kind of take all that information, combined with how many days they're going to be there, and kind of put together, sit down and put together a little plan with them, like sketch out something. Okay, like so, you know, as long as you see these things, you're fine. Then I kind of tell them, okay, these are other things that you know I know my kids like or my my cousins like. These are other rides you might want to be able to enjoy. We just kind of take it from there because you really, as much as I've been to Disney, I don't even think I've ridden every ride and seen every show. I've come pretty close, but I don't think I've done actually everything. But it, it does lend itself to when you're in those very early planning stages of getting an idea of what people want to see. Because some people, I know people who would, they would just rather go eat and golf. Go ahead, eat and golf. That's actually, that's smart. Yeah, that, that's a very clever idea. Yeah. I mean, Some people who, they have they have small little kids, and they're not really roller coaster riders, so they really don't care if they get to Space Mountain or, you know, Big Thunder Mountain. They might have little toddlers, but, you know, making sure that they get on the adventures of Winnie the Pooh is important to them, or Dumbo, or, you know, those little flying cap carpets of Magical Latin. You know, those kinds of things are important for them, and they could really care less, like their little kids... Yeah, they'd like to see a parade, but it's not really imperative that they see one. So it's it's one of those things where Disney has something for everybody. They've pretty much just kind of figured out what everyone likes, and there's something for everybody there. So that's usually, that's usually where I start when I start with the planning process with everybody. That's pretty cool, and that's that's really smart, and it gets people going and uh, thinking about it, and you know, kind of. It, it goes back to the whole idea of, you know, sort of the planning aspect of it. You can enjoy it. It's it's not just about the trip. It's about the anticipation of the trip. It's it is. It is. And there have been times in life have people come back and they will tell me, oh, and the, especially if there's one of those specials on the Travel Channel, ooh, I saw this and this is a new Disney attraction. Tell me more about that. And I'm like, okay. Have you done this yet? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's actually been times where I've actually given some of my friends, um, you know, like I said, I'm a family historian. So I have just spent almost every show and most parades on videotape where I've actually given them a little preview version of my family vacation. Like, here, watch my highlight reel and tell me what you like in there. See if there's something new that you might want. Oh, yeah, we want to do that next time. You know? Very cool. Yeah, so that, that, that kind of helps. And then the holidays are different, too. Um, you know, like, I've been several times at Christmas, and I'll tell you, Disney during the holidays, it's a totally different park if you go at any other time of the year. You know, I would always suggest to me, if you're going for Christmas, make sure that you've been before. Uh, because there's a lot more holiday things to see and do, especially in Epcot. Oh, my goodness, just to enjoy all the different holiday traditions around the world. Yep. You, never get to, you never get to see everything else at Epcot if you're enjoying all of that. So no. um, that's, a whole different, that's a whole different thing. I have people going for Christmas, and um, they're just like, so how many days do you actually have while you're there? And are you going to be there on Christmas Day? Yeah. So. yeah it's amazing. It's an amazing thing, because like you mentioned Epcot, and Epcot has like, I don't know, three or four festivals during the year, plus the holidays around the world, plus other events that they do. 
And you realize that every time you go, it's sort of a different experience, depending on what you want to take in. You know, you could just... It is, it's, it's really hard to go to Disney and there not be anything going on. It's really, like, it's really hard for, there, for you to actually go to anywhere in Disney World and there not be a special event of any kind going on. You literally have to be going at some weird time, like, in February or March, I'm thinking, in order for there to be absolutely, like, no special... And even then, I don't think there is... There'd be no special event going on somewhere in Disney. No, that's so true. They, they pretty much have something for every. You're right; it is different. So even though, like I, like you and I, we both grew up Disney. Sure. It has changed so much, and even if my uncle were alive today, I think when he'd go, he almost wouldn't recognize half the stuff that goes on there, because he would just be like, "Wow, Disney has has come up with this now, and they have, you know, they they've capitalized on, and you know, they know how to bring people in. Runners. My daughter is a runner, and just a few years ago there was just a few races it's like now it seems like every time you turn around there's a race every weekend i'm like (laughs) it does feel like that yeah (laughs) it's amazing it it really is amazing what they've been able to do so it is it is so the question i have for you is do you have a favorite park oh i know it's like packing a favorite child i mean i grew up on the magic kingdom but i would have to say i have been in love with Disney Hollywood Studios since it opened back when it was Disney's MGM Studios. And there are a couple of reasons for that. Um, Growing up as a little kid, I always wanted to be a famous actress. You know, I always wanted to be on TV. I thought maybe I could... I didn't realize The Brady Bunch was filmed way earlier. I thought I could be on the episode of The Brady Bunch. I'd fit right in with one of the Brady kids. (laughs) Um, So for me, seeing seeing how an actual movie worked, because I always wanted to grow up and be in TV and movies, it was a really cool experience for me. So, I mean, I have loved that park since it opened. I mean, some of my favorite attractions, which are no longer there. I mean, I loved, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I loved the backstage tour. And my absolute favorite ride, my actual favorite attraction of all, is the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular. Uh, but, you know, and of course we have Star Tours. And, you know, I mean, there's just so much there. Of course we have the Hollywood Tower of Terror and we have Rock and Roller Coaster. It's one of those places where... All three of my favorite things can come together in one park. Of course, I like roller coasters. I like Star Wars. I like Disney. So, I mean, if they would just put a hotel, like, literally, like, right in the back with a cot for me, I could just practically just, like, live there. I mean, if the Hollywood, if the Tower of Terror actually had real rooms in it, I'd want to check in and stay there. And there you because go. It's, it's, it's where all three of my loves actually all come together in one place. Yeah, and there's the, there's the history there, because it was originally intended to be a real working hotel, but uh, got changed along the way. Um, yeah, but here's my thing. I, I probably wouldn't want to take the elevator up and down if it were. <laughs> I'd be too scared. You'd be awakened in the middle of night, people screaming, ah! Where are the stairs? Where are the stairs? <laughs> um, so uh, have you ever been there for Star Wars Weekend? Yes, I have been there twice okay. for Star Wars Weekend. Yeah, Both it. times were phenomenal. The first time, actually, <clears throat> my daughter was actually um, performing with her high school band. And I took my mom's advice, and I did not travel with the band. I typically chaperoned every single trip, but I did not chaperone the trip to Disney. I did that for a reason, because I wanted to be able to still see and do everything I wanted to do on my time, yet be there with my child, but not actually have to be there with everybody else. Um, so, and plus, I want to stay on Disney property, and they were staying off property, and I have never been to Disney and stayed off property, so I was not going to break that streak. <laughs> so, uh, but being there for Star Wars weekends allowed me um, not having her actually like join with me at the hip allowed me to actually go and enjoy all the characters, take pictures with all of them, and enjoy Star Wars weekends. I actually did get to meet Jake Lloyd that year, so that would have been um, 2004. Okay. I actually did get to meet him. And then, again, in 2009, we were there for Star Wars weekends, 
And we were also there at the same time when they had the opening of the Idol experience. So that was interesting because we had Chris Allen, the American Idol, and Star Wars going on. Needless to say, it was literally body to body in that part of the day. (laughs) But the aspect is, you know, you have the stormtroopers who are in the parade. And it's just one of those things where you really feel the, the Star Wars presence. I mean, you know, Darth Vader is there. So, I mean... You really, you really are tempted to join the dark side. Yeah, <laughs> Star Wars. You are, and I'm, I'm real close to actually starting to make my own costume and join the 501st. I really do want to. That's one of my, that's one of my dreams for the next year or so. To actually, my daughter would be like, "You're going to join the dark side." I'm like, "Yes, uh, be a stormtrooper." Yeah. But I'm, I'm really excited because you know I've heard the rumors of possible Star Wars land coming to Disney, and now that yep. Disney owns Star Wars in 382 days, we will have Episode Seven. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the Star Wars franchise is actually going to play into that park. I can guarantee you I'm going to just be like happy as a clam once that happens. Oh, for sure. And just to back up, for anyone who doesn't know, the 501st is the uh, Stormtrooper Legion that comes in and does the parade, as, as you see the, oh, yeah. the large group of Stormtroopers that go through the park. Um, just so, yeah, if anybody had any questions about what that was. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you know, it's just an amazing thing what Disney is doing. I'm a Star Wars fan myself, so I, you know, I've been several times, and I, I love it. I love the whole experience. It's just it's something that's phenomenal, and I hope they do expand this to Star Wars land and do something really cool. That would be- I, I do. I, I hope that's the, that's the plans they have. I mean, you see there's so many nice attractions that are that have closed, and, of course, you know, we've heard about some of the other the new things that are coming up with the great movie ride. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I think that's going to be Disney's next major expansion. I mean, I was all excited about the Fantasyland expansion, but then when I looked when they first announced it, I'm like, I went all the way until 2014. I'm like, isn't the world supposed to end in 2012? Are we making Snow White's event, you know, the Seven Force Mine Train? Am I actually going to be able to ride that? <laughs> yeah, it's all way to look at the world. I was thinking in 2011. I'm like, really, Disney? Like, you couldn't make that happen any sooner? Thank goodness the world didn't end, and I got to enjoy that this year on my birthday. Yeah, there you go. That's perfect. Look at that. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Ani, I appreciate you taking some time and talking with me about Disney. I always enjoy just chatting about Disney for a little while and um, just just having a little fun. Well, thanks, Dave. I'm glad to chat with you. And if anybody ever has any, um, you know, any questions about the Moms Panel experience, even though I'm not a Moms Panelist, uh, you, you know, I'm more than happy to chat with you. I'm Ani5000 on Twitter. And, uh, you know, of course, you can find me there. And same thing on Instagram. So if you ever, anyone has any questions about, you know, really, and really it's basically... Who, who would apply? Anyone who really has a love of helping others plan their Disney vacations, people who have a knowledge about it. Anyone can, you don't really necessarily have to have my years of experience. I've seen people who have been going to Disney for four or five years actually make the panel. But it's just it's just the willingness that you want to try to help other people. Because, I mean, there's I mean a Disney vacation really is second to none. There's nothing like it. So I encourage anybody out there, go ahead and apply. What's, what's the worst thing that can happen? You can make the panel. No, that's that's a great that's great advice. I I actually applied once. It was probably the second year. Um, I had heard about it the first year and chose not. I saw it and I didn't apply. And the second year, I was like, oh, I'll take a shot. Never made it to the first round. You know, just never just got the uh, the the, the uh, static letter that said sorry, no thanks. And that was okay with me. Um, I had just started this podcast and I was really interested in expressing my own viewpoint. And um, so I found a way to do it and explore. And you know, I love doing this. And I actually probably love this more than I would have loved the mom's panel in a general sense. So. I'm really yeah. happy with my choice, and it worked out really well for me. So well, you do you do a great job. Well, thanks. It's just yeah. it's just fun to you know fun to talk about Disney, and you know my my passion comes more from the history of Disney. But once in a while, I got to talk about the current and what's going on, and you know really get some guests on and make it interesting. So it's all of good. Course, of course. Well, thanks for having me. It was it was nice chatting with you. Nice chatting with you too. And uh, to my listeners, remember: if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. Now, please exit the moving podcast. The walkway is moving at the same speed as your podcast. Kindly take small children by the hand and watch your head and step. If you have questions, thoughts, or would just like to ask Dave a question, please send an email to davesdisneyview at gmail.com. You can always find Dave's Disney View on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Show notes for this podcast can be found on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. Original music you hear in this podcast is courtesy of Sound A Music. You'll find a link to the latest Disney-related autism awareness event on the show notes page. We also encourage you to check out Dave's iPhone apps. There are a couple of Disney-related apps, including a Hidden Mickey's app and a Pin Trading app. 